welcome. Uh, and who are you? My name, full name is Brian Thompson Ezell. Thompson? Okay. Thompson. Okay. Um, I am 54 years old, soon to be 55 in August. Really? So this is my first year getting to do a Masters 55 plus event, even though I haven't done one yet. <laughs> um, so you, you wrote today. Would you, you wrote today? You I did, did just work? a workout, trainer okay. workout, and a trainer. Okay. All right. Um, structure, structure workout. Yes. Yeah, structure workout. Okay. Um, all right. So um, how did you get started? Did you start on road bikes or mountain bikes or a little of both? Well, we can go back to childhood if you want to. <laughs> I mean, closer to like the riding you're doing now. All right. Right now, I ride road. Mm-hmm. I do some mountain biking. I'm going to do the Quantico Epic at the end of April, which is a big mountain bike race, which I try to do every year. It's my only one I usually do every year. I might okay. do one or two of the ones over in Goochland. And, you know, I do some road racing. I do the Brown Park, obviously, some of the crits and road mm-hmm. races. Um, I've been doing getting more into gravel recently. The past few years, I've done I think every monster cross since they've been started. Mm-hmm. Um, but my main passion is cyclocross. Okay. I don't know why. I love it. I love the community. I love all my friends I have from it, and it's just a great vibe. So like every in the fall, every weekend, I'm mm-hmm. off racing somewhere. When was your first cyclocross race? Because they were all over in here. Yeah. When was your first cyclocross race? My first cyclocross race was <laughs> Capital Cross up in Reston, Virginia. My okay. son used to have it. it now in college, he's no longer swimming, but he had a swim meet every my years. My son is a, was a year-round swimmer. Mm-hmm. And the first weekend of December, he always had a swim meet up in Warrington. Okay. And Warrington is near Reston, so I'd go up there and do swim meet for two days and then leave my wife and my son and say, all right, I'm going to go do Capital Cross. Mm-hmm. So um, it was my, my first big deal, real cyclocross event. I showed up there and like wore like a King of the Mountains jersey I'd gotten from France, Tour de France. Mm-hmm. No idea what I was doing. On a, I bought like a uh, old Cannondale CX-9, like a 2009 bike. And went out and did it, and I was just hooked. I started hearing about it, reading about it, okay. watched some YouTube videos, and that's how I got into it. And if, after about two races of cyclocross, you're hooked. It's like heroin; you're hooked. Did you? Was there prep? Did you do some some jumping barriers? Did you do some prep before you? I had went no out idea there? what I was doing. Okay, so you just you went out there. You were interested. You went out. You did this thing. I did it. Into, okay. And I've been hooked ever since. Really. That's your, that's your, of your com- competitive events, cyclocross will be the one you, you're preferring right now. Okay. I love it. I prefer it, okay. you know, and, uh, I can't, I look forward to fall every year getting ready. I mean, I'll start training and start early summer for cross season. So what do you enjoy about the cyclocross? Cause like, yeah, what do you, what is it like? What's well, the thing like? It's just, uh, it's everything. It's just like a, I mean, I like to challenge myself. Okay. Um, like what I did Saturday with that, that Crunch Handbook 50. That was a mental challenge, just getting through that as well as mm-hmm. physical. So I just like the challenge of going out there and just racing against myself, racing against some competitors. I mean, I know, I know I'm never going to probably win a cross race. Okay. Um, but I just like racing against my previous times on a lot of these courses. Okay. Hitting things one year, following behind somebody, learning something new about the course. Okay. You know, because a lot of times we race on the same courses with the same setups. They might switch it out every mm-hmm. now and then, but... 90% of the courses are going to be the same. Okay. Um, and it's just not only that, but the society, the group, knowing everybody when I pull in, mm-hmm. knowing the judges, knowing my other races, my peers, you know, it's just like a big 
it's like an escape from the normal okay ebb and flow of life okay all right and you know it's just i I love the whole package of it okay it's a beautiful sport you get muddy you get wet we race no matter what i've raced in the snow up at charlottesville Mm -hmm. and uh it's just i have made a lot of good friends from doing it awesome um still seems impractical (laughs) but um you know but i i only have really experience on the road and a little gravel um but I'm glad that you love it. I love it. You know, and the community thing, I can understand that yes. part, you know, can, can encourage us to, to do more silly things. Cause we know our friends are going to be there. Right. And I mean, then, you're, when you're, uh, racing, everybody's out for the jugular. Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron Whitmer's mm-hmm. father-in-law, Fred, as you know, is a, I don't mm-hmm. think he's a current, but he's a former national champion. Okay. He races. I do some races with him because they usually do for the VA six a 50 plus. Okay. And they don't do a 1670, but, um, nicest guy ever, but he will pass you like MF or like every lap. Yeah. And, and then races like right back to like buddy, buddy. So it's just that whole, it's, it's kind of like the old Bugs Bunny cartoon with mm-hmm. the, the, um, sheep and the sheep dog. The wolf oh, and the sheep yeah, dog, and yeah. they clock out yeah. for lunch, and they're all buddy buddy, and they clock yeah. back in, and, and they're, they're back like, on the, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're back enemies again, same kind of thing. <laughs> but I mean, I love, I mean, I, I, I love road and everything else, but cross is just my big passion. Okay, all right. Uh, you ride the roll call, yes, sometimes I do. Um, how do you feel about getting up that early for rides? Like, does it just feel normal at this point? Or? It feels. I mean, with David Hunter, who kind of leads it, he mm-hmm. lives around the corner from me. So like tomorrow I'm doing the coffee grinder. So he and I'll meet up the street at five twenty and then ride to the okay. spot where we start. Okay. I don't do all their rides, but I do some of yeah. them. Yeah. Um, I've never done any of their road trip rides where they go off somewhere. Like I think they went somewhere Saturday up in Charlotte's past Charlottesville, yeah. did some crazy gravel ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just a good, you know, to mix it into my normal training okay. routine. So tomorrow I'll get up and do the coffee grinder at quarter to six. Um, I have done that. Uh, and for anyone who's listening, um, uh, roll call is a uh, a cycling group, and they meet at like five forty five a.m. Um, I think year round for bike rides, um, which is early. And they keep a schedule. Like Monday will be picnic. Tuesday, mm-hmm. I mean Tuesday will be picnic. Monday was one thing. I think tomorrow, coffee Thursday will be hitting the hills. Okay. Friday might be Riverside, and then Saturday and Sunday to just do whatever. Um, the coffee grinder. Um, how as a pretty new off-road gravel person like how treacherous is that like in the dark um it's fine i mean we use everybody has headlights and taillights Mm -hmm. and most of the trails we're on you've done them already at least most people have done them so they know what they're getting to we usually head down to bell and then do a lap around there and then get up riverside some people will jump off at um Reedy Creek and go into that while someone just meet everybody else at the top okay. at Riverside. And then the next stop would be through the wetlands. There's like a little route. I mean, we usually wind up at Bandy Field behind UR. And then we go from there. It's usually about an hour and a half or so. Because um, everybody's got to go back to work anyway. What's the pace? Because like I've done picnic and that the pace picks up there. So yeah, like, it's, it's a chill pace for It's the, pretty the, chill. Okay. I mean, party pace kind of. Okay. I shall. One day, potentially when there's more. Come on out tomorrow before it rains. Unlikely, unlikely, but I, I know the route at some point, um, I will come out there. I've done, I've done most of the route mm-hmm. before with, I think Ross took me on, on some of the, the route. Um, I still, you know, I feel not as confident as I'd like to be about my off-road skills. 
It's easier to crash off road than road. Just <laughs> not to crash at all. But yes, I understand. Yes, there's a higher potential that bushes or or soft grass is going to be nearby. Yeah. Um. There. Um. Uh. Do you recall your first race? Yeah. Okay. Go back on a way back machine. So I grew up in a little town in eastern North Carolina. Okay. Called Wilson, North Carolina. It's about two hours south of here. Okay. Most people know it because it's where people stop to buy barbecue on the way to the beach. Okay. Um, I came from, I'm an only child. My parents were never, my mom is still alive. My dad has passed away, but my parents were pretty, not active people. Okay. Um, so everything I wanted to be active, I swam, you know, mm-hmm. I played baseball. Um, but my parents, my dad, a lot of people in my dad's family worked for the railroads. My dad traveled a lot during mm-hmm. the summer. Okay. During the year, so like we'd travel with them during the summer. Um, but anyway, the town I grew up in um, is still there partially. It doesn't. It's the road. The grandstands are still there. But my dad used to be a, in the volunteer fire department. Uh, sorry, volunteer rescue squad. Okay. And uh, he used to have a little. We had a little half mile race track, dirt track, Wilson okay. County Speedway. Okay. Your typical southern dirt track, redneck racing. And my dad used to go out there to do when they had a rescue squad on call in okay. case there's a crash. So on Saturday nights, if I wasn't doing anything, I'd go out there with them. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had my, my first real bike. I think I got like a little stupid bike when I was little. And then I had a BMX, Schwinn BMX, uh, banana seat bike that I changed to a okay. BMX bike. I can tell you a different story about that. Yeah. But um, after that, I had like a Schwinn three-speed. Okay. And lo and behold, this one summer night, they had decided to have like a kid's dirt race around this racetrack. Okay. And I said, I'm going to do that. So I took my bike and I put a little cardboard number on the bar. Yeah. And my bike was put in the back of the ambulance. We went to the racetrack. We got into the infield. Yeah. And when they had kids race, it's like an intermission thing. Yeah. We got to race one lap around the racetrack. And I don't even know. And I, 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 that was my first official bike race. About how old were you then? Teenager? Eight. Eight. Nine, eight, nine, ten years old. Okay. So, yeah. Wee bitty. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, it was pretty... I can remember parts of it still. because at night on Saturday night. Hot. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all these race cars have been racing and it's like a slick dirt mm-hmm. racetrack. So, did you like... So, you got to like... Did you like keep riding regularly after that? Oh, yeah. Like I, I rode a lot. I mean, I, I, hate, I hate to look back now. I mean, I'm like, I can't believe I'm not dead after what I did. But, you know, back in the 70s... Um, you know, I used to ride my bike out to my grandparents' house and I live way further out in the country than I mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. um, about six or seven miles out in the middle of tobacco farms. I can remember like I'd ride my bike to my grandmother's house Yeah. on my little three Schwinn's three speed, three roads, no helmet, no cell phone no nothing. It just show up at my grandma's house, see them and ride back. And I'm like, I can't believe I didn't no Garmin or iPhone or anything, no helmet, you know? So it's just like part of that seventies. You know, no boundaries, childhood. Right. Yeah. One of the things, you know, I had this BMX. I had this one Christmas. My parents got me like a Schwinn banana seat bike. Okay. When I was like five or six, which I loved. And then when Evil Knievel came out and the BMX bikes, um, I said, hey, I want to change this to a BMX. So my parents, for my birthday, they got like a, a seat on it and put a mm-hmm. BMX bar on it and a BMX mm-hmm. handlebar. So I changed it to a BMX bike. And, um, and our neighborhood was under construction, and so because okay. we had all these empty houses, okay, or like they're building like the big lot, the big ditches where yeah, they put yeah. in the piping and everything, mm-hmm. and me and neighbors and little other neighbor kids, yeah, we would take picnic benches and make ourselves some ramps, 
and we're going to jump these big ditches like yeah. Evil Knievel and his spaceship rocket thing that he did the canyon yeah. with. But the kicker was, you know, we're in the 70s, so we figured, man, we got to have more energy to get over this bike, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. bike to be able to jump this big ditch on our bikes. Yeah. So you know what we did for that extra energy? What's the, what did you? Well, there's no scratch or gel packs or anything back then. We just took each took like a handful of Flintstone vitamins. We figured that would give us the energy <laughs> to get us that, that we needed to get over these jumps that we made for ourselves. So luckily, my kidneys and livers are still around today because we used to just like fistfuls of Flintstone vitamins and like yeah, this will give us the energy. Just that seventies, they like oh, the. Man. The la- I guess they're the last of the age group before every parent started freaking out about everything. Oh, but, you yeah, know, that was before Scratch Labs mix and mm-hmm. hammer gel packs and everything. You just took a bunch of Flintstone vitamins and hit your bike and rode through your neighborhood. I, I ate Flintstones as a kid as well, man. Um, that's that's great. One a day, not like... Yeah, okay. that one. <laughs> you know, it's going to give me some energy I need really bad to, get, to jump this big ditch down the street oh. on my bike. In a homemade ramp. The minds of a child. Um, yep. You know, but you survived all that. I survived so all, all that. that, that, that and then I rode and you know, continued to ride. I think I got like a Schwinn 10 speed that I rode, okay. you know, around town. Again, probably with no helmet. Maybe I had a helmet by then. Okay. Um, I went to college, mm-hmm. didn't really ride. Then mm-hmm. didn't have a, I took a bike with me, but just rode to class. Sure. And then, you know, got married. And at the time, kids, you know, quit riding. Mm-hmm. In my early thirties, I, you know, kind of, I, I kind of quit riding. Then I rode some in my twenties. I mean, my wife and I went up and did the Creeper Trail right when it first opened. I had like okay. an old um, Schwinn mountain bike, and then kids and everything. And you know, I knew my health was probably putting a little bit of weight. Okay. And I started running, and I started doing like a, uh, like a not SEAL team, but one of the other kind of team workouts. Okay. And what happened to me was I about thirty nine. And I think I did the Monument 10K and I did something to my knee. And I had to quit working out a little bit. Okay. And I think what happened was that, I mean, I wasn't eating well. I didn't, I've never drank coffee, but I used to drink Mountain Dew as my coffee. <laughs> you know, I just wasn't taking care of myself. And lo and behold, I started having just problems. Okay. And I went to the doctor and said, uh, you need to go see an endocrinologist. Yeah. I had like a three-something blood sugar at the time. Okay. And I got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And I like quit everything. Yeah. Okay. And like I had a six-month turnaround. I was like, um, got my health back in line. Yeah. You know, lost, dropped like 15 or 20 pounds. Okay. Um, nice. I was on insulin shots for like a month or so. Okay. I mean, it's just like a come to Jesus moment for me and my health. And so early 40s, yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to get back on this bike. And I started yeah. doing some mountain biking. Okay. I was in the very first Monster Cross. Okay. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Did you and do this 25? Or? I, I don't even remember which one okay. I signed up for. I just remember when I, we came around to the, by the time we got to the main park, you know, the section where you go by the main park entrance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to just lay down and pass out. Um, but I made, I almost made, I got a flat and I had to take a truck back me i got a flat not too yeah. long after that okay so i was like i got to get myself i just started riding more mountain biking i lived not lived not too far from bandy field over at ur just would okay. go up there and ride laps and just doing things like that okay and then that's about when i started finding about cyclocross so i was up there from mountain biking straight to cyclocross usually I think the jump is from road some cyclocross to road so i kind of did cross first okay 
Then uh, 2014, uh, my wife and I were able to go to the Tour de France. Nice. Okay. And I saw the last week, and um, it was there I saw next to childbirth one of the most amazing things I ever saw, and that was Jack Bauer, who at the time was with the Cannondale team, or the Garmin Cannondale team, riding a wheelie up the Hotacom. Really? And it was one of the most amazing things I saw, and I was like, all right, I got to get a road bike now. So I came back home, mm-hmm. and uh, I did try to put some road tires on my cross bike, and it just didn't work out. Oh, right. Okay. So I broke down. I got myself a Cannondale Cat 8. Okay. Just a basic intro road bike. Started doing that, and uh, it just went from there. The worlds came, rode mm-hmm. all everywhere during that. Um, started riding the, the, that, and then one day I it was a Scott's edition and I started signing up for Brian Park. Well, okay. actually let me back up a little bit. So when I started getting a little bit more serious, you know, after doing a couple of muster crosses, I got to know Mark Junkerman. Okay. And at that time he still had his run ride race team going. And I got onto that. It was only like two or three people, other people on it. So at the time, by that time it was kind of mm-hmm. not too much on it, but I still got onto it. So I at least had a team kit to wear. Okay. And it was important to me. Like, all right, I got a kit. I got a team now. On there's like no, I'm probably the only one on it, but I got yeah. a team at least with me and Mark and one or two other people. Okay. And so you know, just doing different things with that. You know, I started doing Brian Park. Okay. Um, just getting out there, just figuring myself out. I got to figure out this road. Okay. And um, doing some th- different events with that. And so that's kind of like I fumbled along with that for a couple of years. Okay. And then I started hearing about read about Sweet Spot Cycling and okay. Aaron Whitworth Studio. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and I said, like, "Hey, I want to. I'm trying to get more serious with this." And I started taking her classes mm-hmm. about once a week. Okay. And it was hard. Yeah. But it gave me. It was just like night and day for me. Okay. Aaron, when you when you started doing the sweet spot, like prior to that, and you were riding because you had a you had a road bike. I was um, just riding. You were just you were just riding. You were. I was like, just riding, riding old gun, riding Riverside. Okay. okay. <coughs> riding up the Ashland, just riding. But there, there weren't no like structure. goals. Okay, okay. No goals. It was just the ride. goals was just to sweat and ride. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. <coughs> just sweat and ride. That were my goals. Okay. Um, so and then you, you find sweet spot. I started doing Aaron and sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And she, I was like, I have no clue what I'm doing. I don't know how to read a workout. I don't know anything about watts, FTP. Yeah. I don't know anything. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. So I started doing her classes. But I was still, when I went during her class, I was still doing my own. I wasn't doing any formal training except for dropping in a class about once a week. Okay. And that's when it was still down in Scott's edition at her, at her first mm-hmm. studio, I believe. Yeah. I think it was the first location. And uh, it just, you know, I liked it. Yeah. I liked the challenge of it. Greg, I did most of the classes with Greg, but her husband Greg was teaching. Um. And uh, it just went from there. Okay. First, I did, so I did about a year or two. Okay. And then Aaron was constantly, you know, if you want to get serious about it, I can coach you and get you on a training program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe, maybe. Okay. You know, the money was a factor and the time and everything. And still kids were still yeah. all at home. None of them yeah. were in college yet. Yeah. And uh, eventually I just kind of said, all right. I want to take this to the next level. So that's when I started coaching under Aaron. Okay. And aside for the year off, I've been constant with her ever since. Okay. And um, uh, I, my goal with her, as I said, the first time was like, 
my goal is to go from sucking to not sucking as much. <laughs> and she has definitely done that for me. Awesome. I'm glad she I am very, you know, that like goal. I, said, I will admit, I'm never going to win anything. I'm never going to play in crossroads. The only time I've ever podiumed is mm. doing the freaking canal time trial down in Chesapeake okay. and doing the stupid Mercs time trial okay. section. And both times I've just lucked into it. That's, a win is a win. And a win is a win. So you take it yeah. how you get it. Yeah. You um, know, I've got the red, the, the rock, what's the Rouge Laton before, obviously, and stuff like that. But um, so, okay, so I, can also, I can also say I've never DNF'd in a race. I did DFL, but never DNF. Ah, uh, right. Okay, right, right. Never done a DNF. Okay. Um, things happen. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, so you're doing the structure. At a certain point, you start doing, you know, you're, you're riding, you're just doing like the weekly class. Right. Which I recall, you know, they were all in the comfy trainers out there <clears throat> or there rather. Um, and then eventually, um, you know, you, you decide to, you know, to suck less and start doing structured right. um, workouts. Um, how long before you started to notice a difference from just, you know, your regular just freewheeling riding to like, I've been following workout. Well, like I can, I, I notice a little difference here. Well, at first, I would, did not have a power trainer on my bike. Okay. Uh, the Cannon, old Cannondale. And so I was doing everything about heart rate mm -hmm. and cadence. Yeah. So I had to like have the little piece of paper where I got to work out. And mm -hmm. Greg had to teach me in normal language because Aaron's trying to tell me how to do it. And it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And like I said, Greg, you're a teacher. You dumb me down for me. He taught yeah. me how to do it. So I take my okay. workouts and did a little paper. Okay. Tape them on my bike. Do the work. Go down to Shields Lake. Okay. On the loop there and just do them. Okay. And, you know, it, I liked it. And I liked it. And um, and then I eventually just kind of by that time, you know, it's pretty much it for the Run Ride Race team. So I got officially on their team. Okay. On the Sweet Spot team. So okay. my first race in the Sweet Spot kit was at DCCX in, up in D.C. Uh, and uh, I've been doing with Sweet Spot ever since. Next to Sweet Spot, the biggest... Um, changer for me as far as cycling mm -hmm. was my oldest daughter did her undergrad school in London mm -hmm. and there's a bike shop over in Richmond, London okay. that I got to know when I went over and moved around and everything. Okay. And so uh, in 2018, I went over New Year, summer before she graduated. To, to London. Yep. To okay. see my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so I called her before and I said, hey, it's, what's the cool thing about this bike shop is the guy that runs, his name is Mick Roberts. Okay. He's a native, I believe, of St. Louis, but he's still an American, but he's been in London for 20-some years, 30 years. He's a professional opera singer. Okay. But he owns a bike shop, too. So his wife and kid, his kids all have dual citizenship, and he's got the full accent and everything, but he apparently comes home once a year. Okay. So he owns, he's a professional opera singer, and he has a bike shop. So I said, sure. hey, Mick, Why not? Um, if I come over and bring my pedals and everything, can you help me with a bike to yeah test ride with because I knew they did this bike ride mm -hmm. every weekend I did always kind of do a group ride so, mm -hmm. so it's like sure mate bring them in so I dropped them off on that Friday and Sunday I show up and he wheels out this bike mm -hmm. and it's a company called Enigma Bikes which is out of somewhere in, out of Sussex London Sussex England I believe somewhere mm -hmm. and so it's right when ETAP was out and I had and of course I had never ridden ETAP before mm -hmm. and it had reverse brakes because it's European brakes, motor brakes. Okay. So I did this group ride. We went from West London out to Windsor Palace. Mm -hmm. And then we went through like the Royal Polo Grounds, which is like one Ralph Lauren commercial after the other. Mm -hmm. 
and came back in to London. Mm-hmm. And he was like, so mate, what'd you think about this bike? And I was like, <sighs> so I was a titanium bike. Yeah. And it just, once you go overseas and ride a bike nicer than one you have. Yeah. It's like, it's all bets is off. So my wife I came back home. So my wife said, I got to get one of these bikes. She goes, you figure out a way to pay for it. You can get it. So I went off getting one of their demo bikes. And then after that, about seven or eight months later, that's when I, Aaron finally broke me down enough to put a power tr- power meter on it to help out with my training. And that was like another eye opener. I see this Enigma. So I had several yeah. eye openers. It's Enigma, from that. Enigma bikes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I know there's a ton of great titanium makers, but. What power meter did you get on your At bike? that time, I got a Pioneer, like it's just a left ah, side, mm-hmm. okay. crank based. Okay. Um, are you still using the Pioneer? Yeah, on my new bike, I do. Okay. I, that one's now my backup road bike. Okay. Pioneer's pedal based? Yes. Okay. It's not, yeah, pedal bit crank based. Wait, it, it is in the crank? Right. Okay, it's in the crank. It's cool. in the crank. Okay. All right. Um, so is there a different power meter on another bike? My new bike now has the dual side of the SRAM. Ah, okay. Axis power meter. Uh, are your bikes Shimano and SRAM? Or just... All my bikes are Shimano except for my new... The road bike I got last year, which is SRAM. SRAM Axis E-Tap. Okay. How do you, you like the... You like the E-Tap? Is it... Okay. It's, it's addictive. Really? Okay. It's so quiet. Really? Okay. I, look, I, mean, I got a new cross bike coming and I'm going to have SRAM on that. But it's still going to be cable... Mm-hmm. Um, for brakes, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, external cables. All right, so you've got um, you've got one bike that is the SRAM ETAP, right? Yep. Um, and then all the others are Shimano, pretty much, and everything. Um, is there a preference from the shifting, right? On the so, ETAP? Well, between between Shimano and SRAM, because I think SRAM's SRAM's shifting. So with Shimano, it's you know you've got. Uh, the front and front shifter and the right, up and down on the right shift, uh, the back shifter. It's got the rear, the rear. Yep. Um, SRAM is what, you hit both of them in? Yes, to go in, both of them again to go out. On the front? On the front. Okay. And then the rear is just, the normal, like you were saying, the other one up and down, up and down, depending okay. right and left. Um, Do you have a preference? Does that feel any different? It's no real preference. It's just okay. like after I ride one, it takes me a little bit of room. Remember, oh yeah, I'm not on E-tap and then vice versa. You know, okay. the middle thing. Apparently on your Garmin, you can set it up so it shows you which of your front rings you're in, but I've never taken the time. Oh, yeah. Because every now and then i got to look down and remember what ring I'm in. It, I could, I mean, I don't know about the front one, but I'd want to see the, the rear derailleur potentially. And I know they have that option for Shimano. Um, yeah, the Shimano setup, you can you can somehow connect it with your Garmin yeah. to, to see the, where you're at in your gearing or something like that. You got to get the wireless connection or something, but yeah, that's involved. That's involved to get to the point of like, I want to see what gear I'm in on my bike computer. So um, yeah, I've, I mean, I'm I'm almost at Fred Gerson level for having bikes. Unfortunately, do you? So you have multiple road bikes. I have at this moment. I have my original Cannondale Cat Eight, which is on my trainer. Okay. I have my um, my first Enigma and then my second Enigma. I just got a new my new Enigma that I got back in last summer. Okay, uh, that's a different story about how I got that bike. Um, I have my I have a Cannondale Topstone, which is my gravel bike. Okay, I have my Cannondale Cadex, 
which is my soon-to-be former cross racing bike. It'll okay. soon be a pit bike. Okay. And I have my original Cannondale CX-9, which is my first cross bike, which is just hanging on my garage wall. Okay. And um, I have my first, I'm a Cannondale guy, my first one, I got serious, back serious about mocking biking up at Cannondale right when 29ers first came out. Okay. Um, my trails, and I've had that thing totally rebuilt. The only thing original on it is the frame and the seat post and this and the bar. Everything else I've totally replaced. I went from a three by to a one by on it, tubeless, everything's really new on it. Still weighs a ton, but it rides like brand new after everything. I've Do you have to. other bikes that are tubeless? The two bikes that are tubeless are the mountain bike, the gravel bike, my main cross bike, and that's it. Okay. And I just ordered a Mosaic cross bike, the titanium cross bike from Mosaic out in Colorado. Would you go tubeless for the road? From what I hear, anything under 30 is pointless. Okay. So I've never done tried tubeless on the road. Okay. Um, but for off-road? Oh, yeah. My okay. mountain bike, my gravel, and my cross bike are all tubeless. Okay. All right. I burped a tire at um, Luray. God, like three or four years of Luray cross cyclocross race. Wait, burped? Yeah, you know where you hit something in it, it, it you get a flat. Oh, yeah, okay. Like we had to, the course went over sidewalk and I just hit it wrong. Okay. And I got a flat, so I had to run the last lap like almost three fourths of a mile with the bike to finish. Because you know, if you're familiar cross, yeah, you have to, if you have a mechanical, once you go past the pit, you got to run all the way around the course. To get back to, get back to, to the, the pit. pit. So if you're like two feet past the pit entrance. You still got to run all the way around. You got to run all the way around. So this is my last lap. So I didn't screw it. So I just had, I didn't want to get a DNF. Right. So, you so just I ran, ran it, ran up the hill, ran everywhere. Took me about 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes to run a course with my bike. Just so I could get the place finish. Well, I'm avoiding those DNFs. Yes. I, um, <laughs> um, so you've got... Um, uh, cycle cross races, mountain bike races, um, road races, and some gravel um, stuff, and some gravel. Um, what do you take with you on a ride? I Outside of like your your like a normal ride, ride. Yeah. Uh, I don't like having a saddlebag. Okay. Um, so I have like a zipper bag that's made out of like old tire okay. tube. Okay. And that's what I put like my extra two, my okay. CO2 and everything in there and a tool, mm-hmm. bike tire tool. Mm-hmm. I keep my iPhone in a Ziploc bag. Okay. And uh, usually some gel packs in the other pocket. Where do you, you put the, the inner tube tool in bag middle. in your back pocket? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why. I just don't like having a bag, saddle bag. I don't think it looks pretty airy. Weight weenie. That's yeah. what that is. Air. It's a weight weenie. Um, which is not a derogative term. It's just... Right, just want to be lighter. Yep. Seems more aero. Seems cooler yep. than to have a saddle. The, you the, see the, the pros without yeah. saddlebags. You're like, I want to look like them, so I'm not going right. to saddlebag. But of course, they have people following them in cars. Yes, that's true too. Um, <laughs> but I also I have mine. Um, I also drop my. I have a saddlebag on the gravel bike because I felt okay about. Well, it. I have the bag on the front. The one on the front bar. Oh, really? Top bar. Okay. Um, but I've got mine just like strapped to my seat. A two. Um, a tube on the road bike, I have just this, the the inner tube and a multi-tool yeah. just like strapped to the seat. Um, that seems minimalist enough. I'm not quite gone without a without a saddle, without some kind of equipment. Um, so those are stuff you take with you. Well, you you said you do take gels or something? Yeah, take a couple, of gel, a couple of hammer gel packs. Okay. If I'm doing something super long and it's hot, yeah, I do take some of those salt fizzes, okay. the little salt tablets. Yeah. 
Um, and sometimes I'm doing something really bad. I watch actually take some of the hammer okay. salt tablets, you know, look like the little pills. Have you bonked on a ride before? <sighs> yes. Okay. Um, what was it? What was it? Were you, did you recover? Um, I have a, I do get issues with cramping on rides. Like okay. if I'm going like something long and it's hot. Sure. Which everybody does. Yeah. Um, there's also, of course, the mental challenge as well as the physical challenge. Mm -hmm. Like this past Saturday, I did the Crow 10 by 50. And okay. at mile 70 was when I hit my mental <coughs> my mental wall. Okay. I knew I had to go back out for another lap because like, I was damned and determined to finish. Yeah. And so at mile 60, I had to turn around and go back out for my last 45 miles. And about mile 70-ish is when I was like, started losing it a little bit mentally. Yeah. Um, I know at one point coming back in, I could have swore I had a biker next to me for two miles, a mile or so, and I was nothing there. You know, so you just like that. And, you know, I've had experience that, you know, at like doing the gravel race over at Pocahontas. Um, I think mentally is a challenge when you do the full cap trail out and back. Yeah. That section between um, Charles City and you get to the bridge. The Chicomany Bridge, when you're coming Chicago. back in, mm -hmm. that's a mental challenge. There's just nothing there to look at or to divert your attention. You know, so you start lanes, getting yeah. that tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, now, tunnel vision can be a good thing. I will say this. Um, as most people know, in 2019, my wife got sick in that December. And my wife did pass away in October 2020. Mm -hmm. um, but I did do Monster Cross that February, the last one he did before he shut it down for COVID. Yeah. And I had not trained, I had not really ridden because I was dealing with my wife. Yeah. And I went out there and I showed, signed up for Muster Cross. And I was like, I told my daughter, my wife, and everything, I'll be back. Yeah. I just want to do this to get, I got to get an escape. Yeah. Um, so I showed up and had an old, did it on my cross bike. Mm -hmm. And I had my fastest ever Muster Cross. I haven't beat that time yet. Really? And I'm sure it was just my stress relief. Yeah tunnel vision had the weight over my world and just went out there and let it out i don't remember anything from doing the rent but it, i finished in like a good bit under four hours really which for me was very good yeah. and as soon as i was done i said hi to a few friends yeah was yeah. back on duty with my wife yeah but you know it was just like the, the, the it was just like a the, the, the focus, a total yeah. mental escape from what my world was at that time and you know it's just i had like a, i put all that that I've been living through that first two months into the pedals. Yeah. I'm not saying I want to, that's, it's not a good way to train. Right. You yeah. Know, I, I mean, give myself right. a, a, right. a, a hellacious event to put myself through just so I can bike better. Yeah. But it was, I'm sure that's what the results of that. You, you were and that's another that. reason too, why I love the biking community that we have. Yeah. You know, I have, I have my family, I have some very, very good friends like fraternity brothers and people I've known my whole life. You know, but the biking community with everything I went through in 2020, I could show up at somewhere mm -hmm. and I wouldn't get the 20 questions. Everybody pretty much knew what I was going with, going yeah. through, had gone through and what I was dealing with. And it was just like, hey, Brian, what's up? And I'd line up right. and yeah, be right back into it. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, that's one thing I'm very appreciative about the biking community, you know, that just sweet spot friends, everybody, mm -hmm. they just knew exactly what I was going through. And, you know, they were there. I knew they were there for me, but at the same time, they kind of like, you're still here. We're still, we're still, you know, part of this group of ours. 
you know, so, I mean, I hate, I mean, to the staff, hate getting, like, the 20 questions, like, you know, what happened? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm so sorry. How are you kidding? Da, da, da. Right. I, I hate getting those questions. And, you know, it was just a great, that's why I still value, you know, the community. And after, after my wife passed away in October 2020, I told Aaron, I was like, all right, Aaron, I need to get back on this. Yeah. And, you know, to this day, you know, since then I've been right back with her. And to me, it's, yeah, I'm great for the training. Yeah. But, you know, the training gives me just an outlet and a structure in my life that I need, you know, and just some focus. Yeah. You know, and it's just, to me, it's more valuable than a therapist or a psychologist or a counselor. Yeah. Or anything like that. It's just that for me. It gives yeah. me three weeks on, one week off. I'm doing this, this, this. Yeah. You know, that structure that Aaron gives me. And I pray she never stops coaching because I need her, I mean, I like to say next to my two daughters, yeah, she's probably one of the most important women in my life because she just gives me so much to my life, yeah, you know, beyond that she she knows it, but she doesn't know it beyond just the formal training, right? And that is one thing I'm very thankful for. And I'm glad that you're benefiting from that. I wouldn't say you wouldn't be benefiting from that structure, but I'm I'm glad that you're. It's not just not just a training. Like there's other stuff that you're benefiting. I mean, from one from of the things idea. from I mean, one of the things you know, after my wife passed away. Um, I'm not going to say a name or even uh, a gender or anything, but there's a cy- racing cyclist here in Virginia mm-hmm. that they get some grief about how they race sometimes. Okay. And lo and behold, about about a couple of weeks after they knew my wife had passed away, they sent me a note out of the blue, mm-hmm. which floored me, and you know, and it's changed my perspective on them because I've always heard like, oh, they are a not a dirty racer, but right. you know, they kind of go for the jugular, yeah. You know, and I got a very good note from them, like, okay. a, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about this, you know, yeah, you know, and that just kind of changed. So, so things like that, it just changed my perspective, you know, yeah, you know, I don't want to judge somebody just from what I know them at showing up at races, but um, it's just that's the kind of experience, you know, yeah. that I've given. You know, Susan Glass is another one who's been yeah. very right there by my side with everything I went to, obviously, Aaron and Greg and. All the sweet spot friends, her father-in-law Fred. When I was at UVA with my wife, he was stopping in on me because he's like a retired part-time nurse okay. up there. So you know, I just had that community. Paige, Paige Kusinecki, she helped me out. I went, I took my bike up there one time when I was at Charlottesville because I had to live at Charlottesville for about six weeks and just went out and rode the Jefferson Court lap, yeah. Jefferson Cup lap course. So I said, "Give me the, give me the file for it so I can go out there and do it because I don't know where I am." Yeah, you know, so it's just everything I went through in 2020. You know, I was supposed to, the morning my wife got sick, I was supposed to be doing Capitol Cross that morning. So I was mm-hmm. in, in the hospital with her, mm-hmm. with my bike in the car and my bike kit under my clothes, you know, for most of that day. You know, so it's just, you know, and then of course last year I had the, I was so looking forward to cross season finally yeah. coming back and I had the collarbone break. And I'm convinced now to this day that the collarbone break has made me fitter today than it would have been <laughs> because I've spent more time on the trainer because of that. Wait, how did you break the collarbone? Uh, Brown Park. Same night Greg oh, did. Right, right. That's right. That's right. That Same one season I was out there. Um, not that race. And everybody told me it's like I popped my biking cherry when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure you've ridden enough before that. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I, was, I will say this. It has mentally been a challenge getting back. Okay. Fis- Fitness-wise, I'm way beyond. My FTP's never been higher. It's beyond where it was before. Awesome. You know, it's just stupid little stuff. Like, I could go to Pocahontas and mountain bike and mm-hmm. run over stuff, and now I'm, like, over there riding the brakes. 
Oh, yeah, jumping okay. curbs, stupid stuff. I got to rebuild it. A couple weeks ago, I jumped a log at Bandy Field on my cross bike. It's like, wow, I did it. Okay. So there's definitely a mental hang up of getting back the to confidence. pushing yourself, the yeah. confidence of like, because I don't want to crash and screw this all up again. I did the Women Mary Road Race back in February just so I could pack ride for about five minutes. Yeah. And then hung off the back. Okay. And I'm going to probably hopefully do the Charlottesville crit race um, coming up in April just because I want to go out there and just the rebuild okay. that mental because I'm planning on going right back out to Bryan Park this summer and get back into it. Um, crit race, uh, Charlottesville crit race. Yeah, it's a road race they have up in Charlottesville. It's like a road crit kind of mix. How's the terrain? Because I only think of I have never done it before. Okay, so you okay? I'm sure. I think there's a hill in there. It's kind of like I got about six turns in the course. Okay. I think it's kind of it kind of looks like Crit City on uh, on Zwift is what it kind of looks like a little bit. Okay. Maybe not as long mileage wise. Okay. Um. Zwift. Yes. Um, you started using Zwift October when my wife was sick, right okay. before she passed away. Okay. I bought a trainer offline, okay. used mm-hmm. tax trainer, so wheel on trainer. Um. You, so- you definitely got me, helped me get me up and running. You. <laughs> Dixie knew some down in a, down in Tidewater, another sweet spotter. She got me help going as well. Okay. She, she right. helped me be able to transfer my workouts from training peaks right. into Zwift yeah. and get yeah. out all set up. Yeah. Um, that is a great feature, being yeah. able to get the workouts from from training peaks into Zwift. Yes. Um, they will. You know, hopefully, they will never you know mess with that because I know a lot of people that that have their daily because their daily workout is what will show up. Yeah. If you don't manually, you know, because you can manually load them in there. Um, you started using Zwift, um, and you started. You were just like riding on Zwift. Or you I was just riding some, and then I started, you know, doing the, you know, then I figured out how to do the work. I mainly did it to do the workouts as okay. well as ride because I knew. Um, this was early October. My wife passed away at three years. I was thinking I was probably not going to be riding out for a while. Yeah. So I got it, and I knew fall and winter was coming as well. Mm-hmm. And by that time, Aaron had closed the studio due to COVID. Yep. and everything else and I was like alright I might as well go to the dark side like everybody else says so I got the trainer and got on Zwift you know and it's hard I mean I've been I've enjoyed it I mean I've, yeah it's definitely a learning curve mm-hmm. you know um, but I had like the trainer experience at her studio right so I was used to being on a bike that you right. couldn't Stationary, rock on yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah. you know as long as I got my mat to spit on when I'm riding I'm <laughs> you know <laughs> um I'm when, good to go. Um, so if you're doing a trainer ride, yeah, like what do you? What's your setup? Like how are you? Like what's you, you get on the bike? Like I'm what? on the third floor of my home. Okay, which also is the floor I work on. Okay, so our third floor has gone be, now become my jail cell at home because I'm working up there. And then you do when I work, work good, when I'm done with work, I go downstairs, change, put on my bike clothes, get my bottle out of the fridge, and right back up there. Mm-hmm. So I associate my third floor now with suffering. It used to be my escape, and now it's my suffering place. Um, so I have like a, a fan in the window or turn on the AC and then have another fan blowing on me. Okay. Um, I have a little stand. I do it with my iPad. Okay. I usually listen to Spotify. Okay. Music when I'm working out. Okay. And I do some races. I do some of the different races. Like if, if, if like Aaron wants me to do like a big ride or mm-hmm. just push myself and it's raining okay. weather, I just sign up and find an event. Oh, nice. It's with, there's like a little substitute. Okay. Some of them are just group rides. Some of them I do races. Okay. Um, um, it's obviously no substitute for outside, yeah. but like I said, I can guarantee I'm 150% sure because of my 
breakage last year okay. where I'm now was forced to be on the trainer more than I normally would have. Yeah. It's definitely made me stronger. Really? So I have, I've been a benefit from the break. Okay. Um, and you've not given up on Zwift. You, wrote, you did Zwift today. Yes, right? I did. Okay. I did, I'm still doing my workouts on Zwift. I mean, every now and then the weather's nice. If it's like a non-super technical, like doing all these different intervals, yeah. I'll just go down this shield lake and do a workout there. That's my road workout if okay. I want to do it outside. Like, if she gives me one legged a work one legged drill kind of workout one day. Yeah. Um, I live near Crestview Elementary, so I'll go up there and do my one legged drills in the bus loop. Okay. And then do the recovery part or the endurance part out up and down Grove and Patterson. So I do do some workouts outside still. Okay. But like the crazy things where you like have fifty different intervals you're doing back and forth. I'll mm-hmm. just stay on a trainer. Okay. That way I don't have to think. I could just do it. Okay. Um I have only got one bike race under my belt. Potentially one more will happen at some point with the one Brian Park race. Um, uh, the Zwift races, like, are you, how do you feel about the Zwift races? I know there's some cheat going on. I know that. <laughs> you know, and I see some things. I mean, yeah. I do like the D. I'm yeah. right there to borderline DC. Okay. Um, they're fun. And you see different people, right, sure. yeah. but I don't listen to the the people or the text. I just listen to my music while I'm doing it. Okay. okay. Um, I'm sure my kids hear me if they're home. They hear me grunting and cussing, and you know, the people outside. If somebody's walking outside with a window open, they might hear me, you know, heaping and hauling outside. So wait, you're you're D borderline C. Yeah, right there at two point four, two point five watt per kilogram average on some of the races. Are you uh, are you on Zwift Power? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, clearly, I know you're going to be doing outdoor races is your yeah. focus. Um, but uh, there is a racing team. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, I'm just, I, you know, I don't do it on a regular schedule, obviously. It would be, it would be um, having extra people on the team, right? Even if you, then this wouldn't even be until like next January. Yeah, yeah. Because we won't do, right? If, even if we had an extra person do one or two extra races, yeah. like that helps out. because I got you. Have to, right. Either just clearly different uh, conversation. Like keep, me, keep me in the loop. Then. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but mainly, it's it's first. It's do you like to push? Clearly, you do real races. Yeah. So if you can do it on the trainer. Yeah. I mean, I sometimes I when I sign up for a race and do races. Sometimes I know I got I feel pretty good. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like I just want to do this and just compete against myself for previous times. Sure. Yeah. Um, I do some cross races that are like that. Like when I go, you know. I find the further north you go, the harder it is because yeah. it's more serious and intense yeah. up north. Yeah. I do races in North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, D.C. Um, like so the farthest north, north I've ever raced is Charm City up in Baltimore. And that's okay. like when you're getting pretty serious. And, you know, so, you know, like I'm going to be finishing the back of the pack a little bit. So I'm fine with that. But I'm going to make it through this course and beat my times and. You know, so, so you're not it. you're not going to the races with the with the idea like I'm going to be first. I'm definitely going to oh, be first. It's I'm realist. Okay, All right. I am a total realist. Okay, um, but you're still going. You enjoy oh, yeah. that. You enjoy the challenge. That, I enjoy that the challenge. With... The you know the spirit and everything. I enjoy the race. And I enjoy just after the race, just being with the people. Okay, All right. watching the other races. Yeah, the... I mean, I'll drive two and a half hours to race forty five minutes, <laughs> and then two and a half hours back home. That I can understand. It is. It there is something about the. And again, it feeds that structure that I need in my life. Okay. You know. You know. I hate to say it, being alone by yourself now, and the reality I am today, 
if I didn't have cycling, I'd probably be an alcoholic or crazy or, or something or just de- deep depression. I mean, I would f- fully admit that right now. Well, I'm glad that you have a healthy addiction. Yeah. Start with a healthy addiction. And, and um, expensive addiction. <laughs> you know, there are other, other yeah. pastimes that could be more pricey. You're exactly um, right. But if there was a thing of like, man, now my money's gone, but I'm super fit now. Yes. Right. As opposed to like, now my money's gone and like, I'm bedridden. Like, I'm, yes. you know, I mean, so um, I'm glad that you have a thing that, that, that is giving you um, a distraction. A focus yeah. Bicycling has definitely got myself, you know, helped me get back on my focus in life and my right path in life. Okay. Um, and again, Aaron's training is a big, big chunk of that. Yeah. Um, have you taken your bike on your vacations? I haven't really been on a vacation. I've toyed with going back, going over to tour of London. Okay. Um, but I'm kind of still a little leery cause they give all the spots at the beginning to UK people. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did the tour de France, there was an event over there that I was not aware of. Okay. Um, and they do it usually on the last week of the tour. Okay. And I cannot think of the name of it right now. Let's take the, let's the tour. Yeah. Let's have to. Mm-hmm. Yep, and yep. what it is, is on one of the last off days, because mm-hmm. the last week is usually in a climbing area. So it's either in the Pyrenees or Swiss or somewhere. And when I was there, I was in the Pyrenees. And that what, so it is one of the last days that the tour is off. They said you do that tour stage. They okay. close down the roads and have like nine, ten thousand people show up, and a lot of people just go over for the day from yeah. Europe, from UK, yeah. different countries. They just ride, start that Saturday morning, that morning, mm-hmm. and they do the full stage that day, and it's locked, blocked off and everything. Yeah. So uh, I had no idea that existed. There's so many things that you, if you ever get a chance to go over there, mm-hmm. there's so many things you see in real person that you don't see on TV. Um, and um, I was like, "Damn, I would love to go back and do this." That would be awesome. My wife and I had dinner, and like a lot of in in uh, in Paul, and we saw a lot of the guy people in there that had done it. And they were getting ready to have a dinner before they go back, take mm-hmm. the train back to London. And um, I had no idea this is this. So now, like, I follow it. I'm like, I'm gonna get back yeah, on this yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, I did two climbs again. This is before I was better shape than I am now, and I was yeah. just only doing cross. I. I tried to do a hall to calm. I couldn't make it all the way up. I did make it up to, to the, um, the um, Col de Sore. Okay. At the top, it's the most peaceful place I've ever been to in my whole life. That was a struggle too. That downhill and that freaked me out. Okay. But um, but seeing it in person, I got to see Ben King after the last time trial stage. Um, but they're like one of the things you don't see is like for every stage, you know, all these little towns in in, mm-hmm. in France. Each team at, they have like little youth teams okay. so like you don't see this on TV but like for example the first 20k mm-hmm. of each stage in the last 20k they have like a little kids race for 20 kilometers out from the start out yeah. and then for the end another team they have another race like 20 kilometers in so the, the last 20 kilometers like all yeah. these little kids 10-12 wow. years old so you see that Aww. you know and like you see like all the officials and all the different things it's kind of like NASCAR almost with like all the get up cars and all the sponsors coming through but then you know when you start hearing their helicopters is when they're coming. That's when the, that's when the helicopters. Yeah, that's when you know the action's starting. Yeah. And like on a mountain stage, you get to see more of it because it takes them all day. Like they're all spread out mm-hmm. on a road stage. You know, it comes and goes. 
but it's and and, it, and it's like military. It's like you would, they don't set up till like one or so that afternoon. Okay. And they just set up like that, and they're bam, they everything's set up, and then it's done. And really? then they have it all knocked down. And they're all gone to the next stage yeah. to get for the next stage. It's uh-huh. got the military precision of it. I've I heard about Latap Latap. I'm probably saying this wrong as well. Yeah, I'm probably Latap saying wrong too. Um, um, from Zwift because when the Tour de France got delayed in 2020, they um, the some of the Tour de France riders they they hosted like a Zwift yeah. version of a Tour de France, um, and they had a Latap de Tour yeah. where you could ride the route. Yes, and that's what I was like, oh, like this is a real thing that they really let people ride the the route in real yes. life. Well, um, another thing too is if it's a climbing stage, yeah. That is dead zone at the top. Mm-hmm. If you watch that stage and climb your ride your bike up to the top with to watch the stage, yeah, they're drop they're leave the tour bosses at the bottom. Like this happened on the Holocom. Yeah. So once they turn that last turn to start to climb up the nine mile up to the top, mm-hmm. they all their team buses and everything was back down at the bottom. So guess what? At the end of the stage, they're up there, they do all the stuff. All the pro riders have got to ride back down the hill. So oh. you ride your bike, you get to ride your bike and downhill with, the pro, with all the with pro riders as they can make their way back. And they're having to weave through all the foot traffic as well. So you get to ride your bike downhill with like everybody else. With the pros, okay. So that's a little trick if you want to take a bike with you and ride with pros on downhill on a, on a descent. You could do that. I'll have to keep that, keep that in mind. There's more reasons to go see the Tour de But you have to take my bike on vacation. I've made outer banks and stuff and ridden the outer banks. Just stuff like that. Okay. But as all far right. as like a full-on traveling, I really haven't traveled. I haven't been to Europe since seeing my daughter. Okay. Her last year of college. Well, it's more of a like... I was going to go see family for Thanksgiving and I took my bike with me. Oh, yeah. Me. Oh, yeah. I'll go down. I want to go to North Carolina and stay with my mom. Yeah. You know, I'll take my bike with me some. I have friends in Greenville and obviously in Raleigh where I went to college. Okay. I go. I was down a couple weeks ago riding down at um, Umstead State Park on gravel riding. Okay. So I do. I'll take my bike, you know, if I'm traveling, like, you know, okay. for the weekend. Okay. Um, when do you start getting, when did you get a bike computer? Probably after I started getting a little serious about it. I have a Garmin 520 that I still use. Really? And I just, I didn't know it, but the battery started dying. and mm-hmm. not holding the charge long. And I found that there's a company that made replacement batteries. And they send you a YouTube video. Okay. And I took it apart. And now back up to like a 10 or 12 hour battery life. Nice. Okay. Um, you will enjoy the upgrade when that happens. If you decide to at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, I figure it's not broken. So I'm going to still keep on using it. As you should, if it is doing the job, it is doing the job. It can load the routes in. Particularly if you got the battery replaced, because I know yeah. eventually the battery doesn't last forever. The only thing you had to do was you do have to snip the cables that go little wires that go to the speaker on it. Okay. When you pop it open. Okay. But they show you how to they show you how to redo to it. Rewire the, okay. the re- you don't solder it, but you kind of use like the tape to okay. do it, and you do have the silicon the seal around it. Or silicon in a new seal when you put the two shells back together okay the two halves back together and then i also got like a cover for the silicon covers for it just to be extra oh safe. yeah yeah um so now it, it beeps again it still makes it makes noise. oh yeah the noise okay. still the noise comes back oh, awesome. but you know it worked like the battery i mean it started dying at like five hours no now i got like 10 or 12 hours nice okay nice um that's the 520 thank god for youtube yeah, there's a whole. Uh, yeah, I've definitely figured out how to do some bike maintenance from Same. YouTube. Um, as I know well. my limits though. 
I know I'm going to like a car. I know I'm going to limit some bike maintenance. And when to say, all right, I'm just calling Albert and let him have my bike. Because <laughs> um, I don't want to screw it up. Uh, um, let's see. Um, nope, you already talked about your where your bike. Um, using the bike computer. Um, did you immediately start using Strava? Yeah. Okay. Um, Actually, when I was on Tour de France, there's a kid, there's a family on there, and the 21 or 22 year old kid yeah. uh, was actually working for Strava out of college right when Strava was starting. Oh, really? Okay. I don't, I don't remember his name anymore. Okay. Um, but they're from California, where I think Strava's based. So, I've, unfortunately, I didn't Strava my rides when I did ride in France. So, I just discovered Strava after that. Womp, womp. Yeah, that is a big womp, womp. Yeah, you have to go back now. Yeah. Now your heat map does not. Show. But all my London rides I've done in London are on Strava. Nice. Um. Uh. So you Strava. Um. You're tracking your data. Um. Really specific question here. Um, do you look at your like segments? I know you, you occasionally like try. To I have some segments. You know. Are you like trying to get PRs on certain I do. Segments, that kind of thing? You know, there's some things like unfortunately I live I live near University of Richmond, so mm-hmm. like there's some Hills. segments near me. Yeah. By the time I come back home from like going across a river, I'm like beat tired. I'm like, damn, I would love to get a PR boat right behind you are, but I'm always dead tired when I get back. So I keep saying one day I'm gonna do it opposite and get all the PR try to break my PRs, PRs everything support. local, like a mile within my house. Yeah. I just have not ever done it. Okay. Like there's a sprint from um on Patterson, on Three Chop, from Bandy Field up to Patterson and Three Chop, called the Sprint Up the Billy Pie because there's that pizza shop up there. Yes, that's on Three Chop. Yep, and I'm like, by the time every time I do it, it's usually at the end of a ride, so I'm like, I'm too tired to do it. Um, I ride with um, Phaedra Highs, okay, um, and um, the, she has a group. Her and um, I don't know who started. Either way, um. Uh, early bird ride and we'll meet on thursdays at 6 a.m over in oregon hill mm-hmm. and we'll ride through vcu down grove ride on three chop ride on patterson but when we go down three chop we usually will attack the billy the, pie the, the, the billy pie sprint um you know and we will even like okay who wants to attack and then they'll we'll get in you know we'll 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 uh you know let the other person draft whoever's going to yeah. attack the hill kind of thing um, so it's so different, yeah. you know, like there's a, uh, the climb up boat right over there. You are, I'm, I don't usually do it. I do it. I'm at the end of a ride. I'm like just struggling to get up, but mm-hmm. you know, to climb up through university of Richmond mm-hmm. yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm always doing it that my end of ride segments. I'm like, I need to do something opposite. Do these first, right, first because, and then go out. But then you won't probably, you may not get as good a workout in. Yeah. You know, the idea is to do a work. If you crush your, you know, the, the sprints and climbs and stuff beforehand before doing the workout. So Maybe on a day you're not doing yeah, a structured structured plan. Spend thirty minutes of going out trying to break speak some PRs around around my house versus Yeah. Wait until the end of the ride to do it. Uh Yawn at Dawn. Yeah. Um, when did you when did you join start joining the Yawn at Dawn rides? Uh I don't even remember. I think Casey Trent so got me into that. Yeah, I haven't seen Casey in a bit. Um okay. Yeah, because yeah, Casey was riding he's still he Him and Lester. Up. I mean Yeah. Yeah, of course, Lester. Um, okay. Um, <clears throat> good. We have, what, three, four, like, real uh, distinct routes? Do you have a favorite route amongst that? 
Uh, I kind of like the University of Richmond one. The University of Richmond. It's out and back. Okay. I like the. I mean, I like the. I suck at climbing, but I like climbing. And there's a good little climbing in the morning to get some climbing over with. Um, I do like the north side ride because I don't yeah. ride north side very much. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do like that. I don't like the one where you go downtown and ride up Forestville Avenue to we get to um, turn at Boulevard Bridge at the Boulevard at the bridge. It's Riverside. Yeah. I don't, Riverside. I don't yeah. Like that yeah. One. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the 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 crossing the bridge. I don't mind the climb. It's the crossing the bridge, and then of course, yeah, riding on Forest Hill. Yeah. Um, but they have a bike lane now. Yeah. Um, have we been on the? I don't think we've done a ride since they've had the bike lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have a bike lane there now. Um, that kind of ushers over particularly that part by the highway where the highway crosses. Yeah. So that'll be nice to to do that. Ride. But I do like the one that you go out. You do the other Riverside that you go out first across the bridge. And then you go along Riverside and come back up through UR and then take Grove back to the Oh, the road. other end of the ride. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the that's one. It's the true. one that you're on Farshill Park. That when at Farshill, you go across the bridge and start at Sims and then Farshill Avenue. I think I know what you're talking about. The first one. Uh, I feel you like you go I'm by lucky. the banks and everything and Manchester. Oh, we haven't done that in a while. Yeah, we haven't done that one in a while. But I, for some reason. It's kind of like I have like little, there's other trails. Like I don't like, I don't know why it is. I don't just don't like doing Lakeview over at Pocahontas, the Lakeview loops. I don't okay. know why. Okay. You know, not every route's got to be your yeah. favorite. Yeah. It's not anything wrong with that. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it's, to me, it's like, it's like 10 or 12 miles. And by like, the end of it, you're like, mm-hmm. mentally, you're like, I want to do something different than this. And you still got more to go. Um, most challenging some, tell me about some of your challenging events. Like, clearly the one you just did. Well, the Quantica Epic I just did was a ball breaker. Okay. Um, and wait, wait. I'm sorry. Tell me the name of this thing again. The Croatan Buck 50. Croatan Buck 50. Okay. All right. And it's either 150 miles, 106 miles, and the 46 mile. Okay. And I did the 106 mile Saturday. Okay. Pancake flat. Pretty flat, but it's just gravel. You know, of course, it's flat, so you're having to work more because there's no coasting. You're always pedaling. Right, yeah. And there's putt, there's um, mud holes and big hole, potholes out in the... Mm-hmm. It's down near Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, a big marine base in North okay. Carolina. So you're about 10 miles inland, five, six miles, so you're still getting a lot of the wind from the coastal wind. Um, we went through, like, some single track, some mud. There's, like, a mile and a half of a sector Okay. And it's just like mud and like just deep mud and quick sandy mud. And you can ride most of it. There's some parts you had to just get off and slop through it and then get back on your bike and bing the mud out of your cleats so you could just get back into your pedals. Oh, my God. And I had to do it four times. Um, we a couple of railroad crossing tracks in the middle of the woods, some single track riding around a field in the sand. You know, it's just it was just brutal all the way around. Yeah. You know, it messes with your mind. Um how many people? How many people kind of showed? Do you know? Roughly? I think like eight hundred or so. Registered. Really? Okay. So it's a big. Ready. There's a team there from Brooklyn. Really? Okay. I talked to them during the line where we're waiting to start. Okay. Uh, so it's a big deal, and like Jeremiah Bishop, you know, the pro rider. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, showed, he, okay. he was there for. I don't think he won the, that, but it's uh, it's the first time I've ever done. It. I was supposed to have done it in 2020. Obviously, I couldn't do it with my wife. Sure. They didn't have it in 2021. Yeah. Uh, some other people from Richmond were there, like Mark North. Mm-hmm. Patrick Hampton, some others, some Rogue Velo guys. I knew a lot of people there from Raleigh. Okay. Um, but, you know, the uh, other sh- things I've done that have been like just, 
Yeah. The I haven't done it a couple of years since COVID, but the Devil's Backbone events where they did like the Saturday was a gravel ride. Okay. And the Sunday would be the road ride. Okay. Doing those back to back on a weekend are pretty tough because on Saturday you do that Cub Creek crawl, Cub Creek climb. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, familiar with that. It's at the Devil's Backbone Brewery there near Wintergreen. Okay. And it's just a hellacious climb. It used to be paved on one, just paved on one side and gravel on the other. But now it's the, the gravel side has since been paved, but it's might as well have been gravel because it's just bad. And it's just like a 15, 16, 17% up at the top to get over this. And once you get over it, and this is like three miles out from the start. Yeah. You're already doing this. Yeah. So it's like, hey, guess what? I'm starting a mile in and then you start climbing. And it's just gravel from that. And then the road ride does basically the, um, what is it, crab apple? The okay. crab apple climb up okay. to the parkway. Um, or whatever, I'm having a mind for it. Cram, cr- crab apple. Okay. We go by up there to up through Montebello, Montebello, and up there to the parkway, and then you Not do that descent, that descent by Wintergreen, which okay. you hit like 45, 50 miles an hour. Last time I did, I had to pass a car on the left, going down the descent. So wait, okay, so the road's not closed. No. Is this on the parkway? Yeah, you go on the parkway for about ten miles, and then you turn off the parkway and you go down past Wintergreen. Okay, but the descent is not on the parkway. You turn off the parkway and start, and it's like a straight drop. I suppose a straight drop is acceptable, but like and a turn. If you like, you better hope your brakes are good and everything right, yeah. is good. You got to trust your equipment and just kind of grit. I mean, you could probably you 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 just trust you just do it. And was, but it, you know that it, was that's a that's a brutal weekend because you okay. do, you're doing one Saturday and one Sunday on gravel. So it's, but it's but it's the it's one event, but you it's with two rides. Well, you can sign up for just one day. Okay, you could do both days or just one day or the other. Okay, but most people do both days, like do gravel Saturday, recover, and go right back out on Sunday to the big road event. And they usually break it down between like a forty-five and a sixty-mile gravel on a forty-five okay. and a sixty-mile road. Okay, and I usually do the shorter of each ones, but still, it's just as painful. I think. Right. And then I, I've only been able to do the Wintergreen time trial one year, and that is a tough six and a half miles, where you climb up Wintergreen. It's, oh, it's, oh, really? Okay. Four hundred, four thousand feet, three thousand feet of elevation over four miles. You're climbing just to get to the Wintergreen entrance, and then you turn, and it's like straight up to the hotel at the top. Really? Okay. It took me an hour and twenty minutes to do six and a half miles. I mean, I stopped. I would say that I stopped, but I didn't have to walk it. But I just stopped to like get myself together and get yeah. back on the bike. Oh, that's that's a that's a lot of climbing, a little bit of time, yeah. a little bit of distance, rather. Um, okay. Um, Those are probably the, that, and then this Quantico Epic thing I just did. Okay. Um, I knew I was getting into a Quantico Epic. What's some advice you have for someone who might be interested in getting into to racing off road? I mean, there's some, I mean, I'm no expert. I'm no expert. I would yeah. just say, yeah. you know, yeah. just you got to have comfort. You know your know your limits. Okay. Know your comforts. You know, I would say this. I've ridden downtown a lot. Mm-hmm. Haven't ridden as much off road since I broke my collarbone. Okay. But you just have to know your limits. There's no shame in getting off your bike and walking over a it's one of those streams. There's that section of uh, buttermilk. Okay. Where you have three or four stream crossings. I've tried to hit it and crashed and got mm-hmm. back up so I'm like yeah I'm just going to mm-hmm. walk this okay you know so it's just you don't it's not like I'm just swallowing your pride or shame it's just like I can't do this 
you know, you watch other people just bunny hop it or hit it. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't have those skills. Yeah. You just have to admit that I don't have those skills and I'm just going to walk through it and get back on my bike and keep on going. Okay. You just have to know your limits. I mean, if I was younger, 20 something still, maybe I would still try to hit it. But now I'm in my fifties. I'm like, I'm not some things over there. I'm just not going to okay. go for it. So I'll just say the number one thing is just know your limits, yeah. limits and know your comfort zone. Okay. All right. Cause it's not worth getting banged up. That's a good point. Yeah, because there's certainly some people who bite off more than they, they yeah. should do, you know, for a first race or a first you know, and, event or something like and that. Especially in off-road, just keep in mind, you know, sometimes you want to just go super slow. While you know your limits, just keep in mind that forward momentum is always your friend. Mm-hmm. It, is, <laughs> it is always your friend. Um, Have you convinced anyone to ride? Have you, like, a friend you like introduce them to cycling or a family member or anything like that have you uh, uh have you converted anyone not really because most of my friends i've made i already were already, were riding. already riding okay you know I'm, I, like jessica said i gave her she gives me credit for introducing her to cyclocross <laughs> bugging her enough to come to and i picked the worst race for her to do as her first one yeah up at charm city um she did well she did very well yeah and and you know so just but it's just as far as most of my friends already ride okay. that I have. Okay. You know, some of them I don't think ride enough, so I harass them. Like, you need to be out more riding. But, um, um, potentially in the same vein as something you already mentioned here, what's something um, that you're quite aware of? What's something that you have knowledge of now, right, that you would have wanted to share with yourself when you started riding? Um... Let's say when you started riding, like I'm, I'm convinced. That, I'm convinced that I always need to improve my diet. Okay, I, I'm getting more into it now. I, okay, I, I like I try to go meat free a couple of days a week. Okay, um, a couple of years ago I tried to do meat free and I just did cold turkey. Okay, and Aaron has those used to have those Wednesday night Ashen rides. Okay, mm-hmm. and by that Wednesday I was hurting and I still did that ride and I remember I bonked big time yeah. coming back in. And I just had to like hang on to the back and just kind of s- slow acid back. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, your body's just craving protein. There's nothing where to get it. Mm-hmm. So I just, I had to do that. If I had to go, I've always toyed with the idea of being a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely improve my diet. Okay. You know, part right now, I'm like a one day a week, maybe one and a half day a week, meat-free guy. Okay, meat-free. Um, so I do try to watch, you know, be more attentive to my diet. Okay. You know, just stretching. Okay. You know, things like that, stretching, mm-hmm. you know, sit-ups. Aaron just throw me some manual workouts as well. Okay. You know, like do your workout, but I also want you to do like, gives me like a sit-ups, you know, jumping sure. jacks, that okay. kind of thing. Leg lifts, you know, squats, whatever, quads, mm-hmm. you know, because that's always good. Okay. Um, I would definitely be more attentive to that. Okay. All right. Um, Good point. Yeah, I don't think I really I'm not, think I mean, I drink. I don't socially drink on weekends. That's about it. So okay. I'm not worried about you know the alcohol. Okay. You know. All right. Obviously, so, I don't smoke. Not a drug guy. Anything like that. You will have pastimes. Um, but yeah, watching. So watching. You would have wanted to be mindful of your diet. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite kit? My favorite kit, well, I have a partial kit from that bike shop in Richmond, London. Okay. That I like to ride some, especially when I'm on the British bike. Okay. But, um, and everybody sees it, thinks it's from Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. I'm like, no, it's Richmond, Richmond, London. London. Yeah. And so I like that. 
Um, I like the current design that we have on our Sweet Spot kit. When Aaron first got it, it's like, hey, it looks like Tron. You know, the old Tron Disney movie from mm-hmm. the 80s because yeah. it's got those checks on it. Yeah. She had no idea what I was talking about. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. And I was like, yeah, go look up Tron. I'm surprised you haven't got sued yet from Disney. <laughs> and I like the Sweet Spot kit from like two kits ago. Okay. Um, as far as pro kits, what's that team? I like the, the Jumbo Lotta, whichever one that uh, Wild rides. Jumbo Lotta. I like their kit. And what's the team that Quitana used to be on? Oh, I couldn't tell you. That used to have that, the brown and the blue in it. I, I just thought that looked pretty cool. It's got an odd combination of colors. Okay. That brown, that Mont, Mont, I don't know how to pronounce it. Mondial, I'm butchering it, I'm sure. Monodial? Yeah, maybe that, that Quintana used to be on. Oh, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, I like that kit design. Okay. Um, I like kind of like a little bit of the crazy kits. Oh, really? Um, but I also like the classic stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, you broke your collarbone. I did. Okay. Was I'm that your survi- first? I'm a survivor. A- was that your first accident? That was not my first accident, but it was my, my, my first like, serious, my first break. time break. Okay. First time I ever broke something that required surgery. Okay. Back when I first started mountain biking, um, and Mark Juckerman used to have his races over at Camp Hilbert in Goochland, mm-hmm. yep. um, I crashed there. Okay. And my thumb was a little funky. Okay. Didn't think anything of it. Okay. And then a month later, I found out I had like stretched this kind of like an ECU or EKU tendon somewhere okay. in there. And I had to have like a brace for like three or four weeks after that. Okay. I had no idea. I know that Erin's like doing her tendon crap right now. I mean, yeah. she's like been right. better off if she broke it instead of. Ripping tendon. So, yeah. you know, I've experienced that. Of course, like road rash um, right, yeah. and everything. Um, when the, the collarbone, how long was the recovery? Well, first thing we say about the collarbone is Jim Temple was mm-hmm. my saint of the day that day because he was in that corner when I crashed. Okay. And he came and he was my guardian angel when okay. I crashed. So, I'll always be thankful to Jim Temple. Awesome. Okay. And, um, I had I was in the ER that night with Greg because he broke his collarbone that night the mm-hmm. race afterwards, yep. so um, I had the surgery. That I went into the doctor that Tuesday, that Wednesday. Okay. And I had surgery that Thursday. Okay. Or that that's that Thursday, and um, it's a fake sense because when they put the bar, I got the plate with the screws. Okay. So you can immediately have that back. And you're like, oh my God, I'm healed. Yeah. Even though you're not healed. You're like a long ways to go. Yeah. But you can immediately feel, because when I got up the first time, you could feel that crunch. Like, <clears throat> when you first moved it. Oh, and okay. Mark Michal felt me. He's like, yeah, you broke that collarbone. So I had to get my brother-in-law and my son to come pick me up and drop me off at the ER okay. at St. Mary's. And um, it's so funny coming out of my x-ray. It's like, First, I saw Zach Isbell. No, Zach. Zach. Um, saw Zach in the. Uh, and there's a like, Zach. What are you doing here? And then I saw Greg. Oh, you got Greg here. Well, Greg, what happened? <laughs> and he was wearing his national champion kit. Mm-hmm. And I, thankfully, he was able to get that off without having to cut it up because that would have been a crying shame that it cut right, it. The cut. Yeah, that's right. The kit because he was wearing his skin suit. But um, it was it was a. Um, it's about a. <sighs> I was back on the trainer in about a week. Okay. You know, with a sling. Right, yeah. Just doing stupid leg spinning. Okay. And then after about two weeks is when I was like, put it down and she, Aaron just kind of slowly built me back up. Okay. You okay. know, you know, just spinning at first and then getting a little bit of structure and then 
three weeks later, I was back okay. pretty much. Um, I did not ride again until probably out for like the first month. It was when I finally did my first outdoor ride. A month after the surgery? Yes. Okay. Now, when my wife got sick in December of 2019, I went about 10 days without riding. Obviously, because I was cool traveling back and forth to UVA, stay for a few nights, come home for an afternoon, go right back to UVA with my, my, my daughter and my brother-in-law and everybody else. Um, one of the first days I came home for like a little while, I was like, I got to go on a ride. Yeah, and I took a ride, and it felt like my legs felt weird. Yeah, and it's it is amazing how quickly you can start you to lose it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. three or four days you're okay, and then it kind of right trickles you know, out. And yeah. I could feel it. I was like, I got, I can't let you know. I got to keep. Give, I had to give myself a little bit of focus, even though ninety nine percent of my focus was on my wife. Um, I, I that was quite an experience. So when I would come home, mm-hmm. I would just go up the bandy field and ride laps. Okay. For like an hour, I'd call it a mental health. When I you go back to my Strava, you see mental health ride. Yeah, and that's truly what that was. It's just a mental health ride. Ride for an hour, go back to Kashar and go back up to Charlottesville. Yeah, and like one uh, the third fourth weekend is when I took my road bike up there and said I'm going to just get an escape. Mm-hmm. So I sat in the hotel room in the hospital room and put on my kit and said I'm going to ride for a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, went out and did the Jefferson Cup course. Okay, and then came right back to the hospital and took a shower. Yeah, and. Uh, Got back into it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you had a, we'll call it an outlet. Yeah, right. I needed yeah. that. Yeah. Um, well, I already asked you about something you would share with yourself. Um, wait, do you chamois cream? I do. I use okay. the Assos. Is how you pronounce it? Assos? A-S-S-O-S. Okay. Yeah, they're probably, yeah, there's, there's a few. It's like a European one. Yeah, there's there's a few that are a play. They were a sponsor of a recent. I mean, I, yeah, I've used theirs forever, but they were a sponsor of a recent Strava challenge too. Yes, I think I saw that. I think I saw that. Um, I used their chamois cream. Um, I'm pretty loyal to the hammer gel packs and the scratch labs. Okay. Even though I did just buy a bunch of non fizzes because mm-hmm. they had like that special challenge yeah. on Strava. Um, you know, I've tried the 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 new tablets. Yeah. Um, in and I'm, sh- I, I, I've not found them tasty. Well, I know they're supposed to be practical. I've discovered waffle the waffles though. Okay. The waffle prepackaged little round waffles. Wait, uh, the noon waffles or you mean the honey stingers? <laughs> honey stingers. Okay. Yes. Man, those are good on a ride. Those are great. But my great, be- I mean, uh, my favorite snack on a ride if I'm doing a big ass ride. Okay. And there's a store out in the middle of nowhere, like that store that's halfway, that's out there in Charles City, that's halfway on the um, on the um, market ride that you you pass on all the rides out there. It's out there past the battlefields. Okay. Anyway, Casey Trent and Adam Karst. Mm-hmm. This is where I got Coca-Cola and a honey bun. I mean, <laughs> <get you. laughs> Okay. A Coca-Cola and a honey bun, man. That's a good little really good thing to get you going for another hour or so. Really? Yes. I've never had a Coke mid-ride. End of a ride. Definitely had some Coke. Especially when it. you're suffering. You're like, I just need something well, yeah, in my stomach. Right. You're, yeah, you're, if, you're, if you're craving... You're craving something. Um, you know... After doing Quantico Epic, I was hungry till last night. Yeah. I burned 4,009 calories that day, according to Strava. You wear a heart rate monitor as well. Yeah. Um, once you finish a ride, because we've talked about snacks, once you finish the ride, particularly this um, this Croatian uh, Croatian 
buck fifty, right? Um, what would you like to have to eat after the ride? Right? You finish this hard, epic ass ride. Like, what's a thing you would like to? What do you want cold to pizza? <laughs> really cold pizza? Well, pizza. I mean, they have pizzas for us at um, Harrisonburg at the Rocktown Cross Race. Those are always good. Um, the those Devil's Backbone rides. So they've always had the best snack set up. I okay. think. And the Storm and Thunder Ridge, I think, has the, some pretty good snacks as well. I can tell you the snack, which rides had the best snacks and everything. Yeah, uh, Stormy and Thunder Ridge will have um, the pickle juice. Yeah, I, I hate pickle. dill pickle, but last year, I mean, that was, like Jessica said, last year I did not have a good storm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sign up this year. I'm just taking a break from it. Okay. Uh, it was warm. What, the Stormy Thunder Ridge? Yeah, this past year it was it was warm. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely warm. And I went out to enter the night before with Adam Dean, who's a cross racer, road racer. Mm-hmm. He's a professor at Lynchburg College. You know, I hadn't seen him since everything happened to me, so I caught up with him and everything. Yeah. He knew my wife and everything. And um, that dinner I had that night did not agree with me. Yeah. So when I started hitting that climb, I was like, my stomach was talking to me. <laughs> so when I got to that, That's when I got to the top at that first, that first the rest stop at the top, yeah, I literally took a rest and yeah. spent yeah. about fifteen minutes of porta potty time yeah. to get myself straight. <laughs> then yeah. I was good to go. Then I, unfortunately, I rode by that guy that went crack, ate it on the downhill last um, year. I don't know what, what happened to him, but I heard he went off on that one of those sharp turns on that downhill. Man, not to set some, I can't think of his name. He's a redhead. And I, so uh, I was I just like him. this year, I'm like, I'm just taking a break from, I've done it twice now. And I'm like, I don't need to prove it to myself anymore. Okay. But last year I did not have a good experience. It was just the yeah, heat and then my yeah. stomach. Yeah. That that climb is not a good climb when your stomach's burbling and mm-hmm. saying, yeah, what you ate last night needs to come on out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is, a, um, I won't call it a lesson, but that is a, I think it was, you know, the and it was thing that, like nothing new, yeah. you know, well, definitely nothing new on, at a race, at an event. Like everything should be the same. It should be nothing new there. I mean, um, I'm, right now I'm pretty loyal to just like in the mornings, yogurt and fruit. Okay. Kind of thing. Okay. Is that good enough before a ride? Do you, do you, yeah. Okay. Or like and that with a muffin. I'm still drinking a lot of ch- I street chocolate milk every day for my collarbone still. And okay. The calcium fortified kind. Okay. okay. Um, so I do those every morning. So that's my good. Okay. Pre-morning, pre-ride. If I'm staying like a, like Saturday morning in the hotel before I went over to, to the racetrack where the race started at, at the Crowd Tan, you know, it's just stuck to yogurt, okay. muffin, a couple of yogurt cups, and fruit, and apple juice for that because they didn't have any chocolate milk. Yogurt can be good, but it is not filling. You know, it is. Oh, it's not filling. Yeah, but it does not stick to the bones. You put the fruit on there and the granola and a little bit of maple syrup on top. Maple syrup. Just a little dab on the top. I did not know that. I did not think about it. I've known of the uh, the granola. I use the sugar-free maple syrup, though, like the vanilla bean sweetened. Really? The Greek yogurt. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I have to find out how to make yogurt a little bit more tasty. Or filling, I should say, kind of thing. Um, but uh, I want to thank you, Brian. Oh, thank you. And I have thrown up before during a race... I've done one Brian Park where I threw up really? after the race. It was so hot. So I've done that too. Wait, was that just because of the race or because hey, of like... The, the, my, my effort and the heat. Okay. I just kind of... You just pulled, After okay. the cool down lap, I just kind of pulled off and threw up. 
Well, now you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, the heat has some impact. It definitely does. You know? Um, but, um, uh, Brian, I want to thank you for well, your Well, thank you very much time, for having man. me. You know? And, um, uh... This has been this has been fun. I'm sure I'll catch you on some yawn and dawn rides. Yes, in a you can come weeks. on out, get, get them out tomorrow morning, and do your coffee grinder with us. Unlikely, but eventually, yes, I will do the coffee grinder with a roll call on a Wednesday morning. Maybe maybe something. we'll do an off road. I'd like for us to see us do an off road yawn at dawn. You know, we can talk about that because I I would mind that because we could we could potentially do a thing because there's enough of us with gravel bikes so we could do a little yeah. little off road thing in the morning. Um, but it's a thing to talk about. But um, like I said, gotta get everybody's comfort level for that. That's true. That's true. Um, but, um, so we wrap this up. But, um, yeah, thank you for your time. Oh, thank you um, very much. Uh, appreciate you coming out, uh, coming out and, and chit-chatting. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much.